Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I am so happy and grateful to have Dr. Cindy with us here today, who is known far and wide as the First Lady of Sales. She is an expert in the area of sales, interpersonal communication, leadership, and management. She has earned her reputation by helping literally hundreds of companies to grow their business. She's author of the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Every Job is a Sales Job, How to Use the Art of Sailing to Win at Work, and is a popular and inspiring speaker. Dr. Cindy has presented at national and international conferences on a wide variety of sales, leadership, and motivational topics. As the CEO of Orange Leaf Consulting, she has coached and guided companies and individuals to achieve professional success and sustainable revenue growth. With a doctorate degree in organizational communication, she can quickly figure out what an organization or individual needs to be more successful, and her current knowledge of many industries keeps her abreast of best practices and the quickest route to success and growth. Many true stories from her professional and personal lives serve as instructive examples of the principles and techniques she discussed throughout her book. Dr. Cindy's highly successful career has created a strong foundation from which she now shares the fundamental elements of the art of selling. Dr. Cindy knows that the key to real and lasting change is changing behavior to create great habits. It's all about sustainable sales activities and results. For those who are ready to do the work, she is ready to create the path as she puts it, grow big or go home. Dr. Cindy, <laughs> welcome and thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. That was a fun bio to read. I felt like it was, <laughs> it was getting me fired up and I needed to jump out of my seat and go, yes, after that. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> grow bigger, go home. <laughs> yeah, grow bigger, go home. I love it. And I love, you know, sales is such an interesting dynamic, right? Where we, I, I once read something that we are always, we are always selling in some capacity. We are always, whether it's, you know, and it's almost become something where we get this, this dirty label affixed to it because you don't want to be the sleazy salesperson. But when I think of sales, I don't think of just sales and business. I think of the first date we go on, we're basically selling ourselves. The first time we meet the parents, we're selling ourselves. <laughs> you know, we're selling people on our first impression. So, you know, are we, are we always selling? And if we always are, what is the most important piece of that first impression that we all need to know that we may not know? That's a great question. Um, first of all, I have to say, I completely agree with you. We are all selling 24 seven, whether we realize it or not. And that's actually why I wrote the book is I want people to be able to do it with intention. Hmm. And that piece that you're talking about where we're always selling ourselves is I call it your personal brand and it's truly how you've built your brand. And so that initial impression we have to remember that nowadays that initial impression may actually occur before we ever even meet the person because we are known on LinkedIn or on social media or we have a website or something. So it's the way that you truly craft your brand around it. And then when that immediate meet happens where you actually walk in, and you, you know, say hello to the person face to face, it's what do you want them to think about when you leave the room? And that's always the thing that I ask people that I'm coaching is what do you want them to remember about you when you leave the room? Because it's going to be the first thing they recognize about you. Are people able to articulate that? I think that's so fascinating. And I feel like that's one of the, like most, I, I, when you said that, I was like, gosh, I don't think of it like that. So when people, when people do, what, what kind of things do they usually come up with? And is that a thought that they usually consciously have of what do I want them to think about me when I leave the room? So a lot of people don't consciously think about it, which is part of why I have a job, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. 
helping them, helping them to raise awareness. But, but what's interesting about it is they typically go to physical. They go to something of, you know, oh, I want them to remember my shoes or I want them to remember that I was professionally dressed. Why? What does that actually say about you? I can walk in in a suit and still be, you know, kind of a jerk. Like it's the way you carry yourself. It's that branding. Like I always want people to remember that I was kind and I want them to remember that I was grateful and that, you know, I want them to feel a good energy from me. And so how do you exude that? And you can, I mean, we, we know this, right? We've studied this. There is a science behind it, but it's being conscientious about it when you walk in. And I think a lot of people don't recognize that every teeny tiny action and non-action is part of building that brand. Hmm. Sammy, in the short time I've known you, something I've quickly grown to appreciate deeply about you is your philosophy of selling with kindness. And I'll say that because being a entrepreneur in the digital world, I exist in that world of, of Facebook and digital marketing where there is a lot of, how can we say this gently, pressure to sell to the pain, ratchet up the pain points, you know, make people feel so sick in what they have going on that they feel absolutely disgusted that they have to change. The message that, and it's almost like you're, you're trying to, and I remember I, I did that for a while because I was getting taught and that was what I heard. Sure. And whoo, boy, it felt <laughs> icky. I didn't want to sleep with me, you know? And so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I so appreciate the, the notion of selling with kindness and I'm hoping you could speak a little bit of what, what selling with kindness is, what it looks like and how does that work? So I have to giggle because you just said it felt icky and that's actually what I call it in my book. I call it the ick factor. <laughs> So I love those kind of funny. We didn't plan terms. that, but <laughs> that was what, like it's it's icky, it's the ick factor. But that was it. And and truthfully, I never wanted to be in sales in the capacity that I am and have been in my career because I thought it was icky as well. I I dubbed the salesperson in my mind. I call him Tommy Two Thumbs, and it's like the used car guy coming across the lot with the gold chains and the plaid pants, and that was my my definition of a salesperson. And I, and when I found myself in a sales job, I thought I'm going to get fired. I can't do that. Mm. And nor do I want to, like you said, I don't want to do that. I don't want people to feel pain when they're having a conversation with me. My job, the way I look at it in sales is I have to make you feel safe to choose to work with me. It's a completely different methodology, right? And I, and I totally know what you were taught and you ratchet up the pain, you find the pain, you dance all over it. That's what we were taught, right? right? Yep. And that was part of the reason I had to kind of create my own methodology because that did not feel right. That felt super icky. I couldn't do it. I didn't want to do it. And so I started thinking about what is my personal brand and what do I want people to remember me by? And I do want them to remember me for being kind. And so the way that I sort of look at sales is you start with being kind. I'm selling kindness. That's what I'm selling. And I happen to have products and services behind that. But you buy the fact that I have your best interest at heart, which is absolutely true. You buy the fact that I'm not going to sell you anything you don't need. That's all kindness. And then we'll have the discussion about business. The business discussion will happen. That, that will come. But I think if we change our mindset around it, it changes the conversation right off the bat. I want to touch on kindness, but I want to come back to that safety piece you said real quick. And just, just to offer an example, 
all of us, I think, understand and can, can appreciate the ick factor. I'm wondering for you, if you wouldn't mind sharing, the first time you did the sales process from selling from safety, selling from kindness and letting somebody feel safe, you had a very, you had the ick factor, you know what that is. So you made this new way of doing it. Can you describe the difference in how it felt when you made that first sell from a selling of where the person felt safety? Because I think it would be a really powerful gift for people to be able to receive right now and understanding that there is a different feeling we can have around sales. So the first thing that, that I had to be okay with in that moment was being okay with whether they bought or didn't buy from me. And so there is that moment of like awareness that if I'm selling kindness, they might not be buying kindness today. They might not be willing to accept what I'm, what I'm offering and that's okay. And you have to be okay with that. But the feeling in my body, <laughs> it was unbelievably different because I felt like myself. And I know that sounds like a weird way to say it, but it was like, I find it kind of dropped into my body and I went, wait a minute, I know how to do this. And I felt like this, like when I was trying to sell the other way, there was so much imposter syndrome that was coming up for me because I wasn't being me. That, that was not who I was. That was, I'm never going to be able to sell that way, nor do I want to, but I was trying to find like the script and then make it work for me. And then the, this tidbit over here and make it work for me. And it was like, you know, putting my, my foot in a shoe that was never going to fit. And then when I had the sale where it was giving me the breadth and depth and I was very, very lucky to have a mentor who gave me some, some latitude on that. It was like, Oh, wait a second. I've been doing this my whole life. Hmm. I just didn't know it was sales. Wow. Pretty magical. How do you, how did you get okay with being okay with them not buying? I think that's, <laughs> I, I get that. And I think for people who are doing sales, that's one of the biggest probably fears and obstacles, hurdles for them, if you will, because it's that, it's that, if they don't buy, then I'm rejected. And then maybe it's that inner child of I'm not enough, I'm not loved, I'm not good enough, whatever it was. Or it could be that wrestling match of should I even try to do this? What the hell am I thinking yep. being out here doing this? Sales is so hard. How did you get okay with being okay that they may not be buying kindness that day? It's so it, it's a journey. It's not, you know, you don't flip a switch and all of a sudden you're okay with rejection. <laughs> and, 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 you know, my, my inner five-year-old still goes, oh, they hate me. They don't love me. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Like that, that definitely still comes up. So it does, it's not like it just goes away, but, but I changed my goal and my goal was to sell who I am and what I stand for, not a product or a service. Cool. It was more important to me to sell trust and helping them to lower risk and sell kindness than it was for me to make a sale today. Because I can tell you so many stories of having, you know, my own company for the last 11 years of I've sold a non-sale. Like I have literally pulled it off the table from them and said, this is not right for you right now. And then that's gotten me three more deals because they went and told somebody else. And it was simply because I came from that place of kindness. So it's the way that you shift your mindset around it that you come from a place of abundance, not a place of scarcity. You're not going to run out of prospects. There's 7 billion people on the planet. You're not going to run out. <laughs> so you have to, you know, you have to let the data drive that. But it's also recognizing that everything that has to align to make a sale is kind of magical. And you, you got to think about this. Like I, I was on a coaching call with a, a, a salesperson earlier today, and I was talking to him about outreach. and cold calls, believe it or not. He's like, oh, cold calls are terrible. And I'm like, 
that's the only thing you can control, my friend. <laughs> like, mm. You cannot control whether they're ready to receive your message. You cannot control whether they have a budget. You cannot control whether they have a relationship with another vendor. You cannot control whether they can sell it to their higher ups. You cannot control the timing of this. So look at the things you can control and make sure you're putting that best foot forward. And when I looked at that, I recognized my best foot forward was my own authenticity of who I am and what I offer and that I will be honest and open with you. And if that's to my detriment of not making the sale today, I'm okay with it. Hmm. I love that. Kindness. Going back to kindness. So selling kindness is essentially your job. How important is kindness for you outside of your, when you take your professional hat off at the end of the day, where kind of role does kindness play in your life then? It's everything. It's my mantra. I, I feel like we could all use more kindness, let's be honest. And if you start from a place of kindness, it changes the entire conversation between you and the other person. It changes your intention. It changes your goal. It changes literally everything. If you see a giant line at the grocery store and you see the person behind you that has one thing and you let them go in front of you, your intention changes, your exchange with them changes, your whole body changes. It, it's a very different thing. And I think there's an expectation of kindness in our society right now that there's obligatory kindness. You know, you say please and you say thank you and you say excuse me or you hold the door, but you can't automate kindness. Hmm. Got to come from the soul. I, on, I, on Tuesday, was it Tuesday or Monday? Monday, I guess it was. I, I shook, I shook, I shook. If I could talk, I shook the first two pairs of hands I've shaken. Wow. Since March. And you're yeah. meeting a couple new people actually in the flesh. And it was really quite strange because I had gone for a, a walk with a friend and ran into a few of his friends. And many, there's people out wearing masks and there's many people who weren't wearing masks. And there was this kind of pause of, of looking at one another, trying to assess if we're supposed to handshake or touch or anything like that. And I've always been, you know, a handshaker, but I even more prefer hugs. As I, as he was greeting them and I was no, I was anticipating the introduction coming. I found myself kind of, I, I try to always be a student of my own psychology. And I found myself assessing the, well, am I supposed to shake their hands? What's going to happen? But then I also found myself going through my own inner voice of, all these kinds of things that I thought I need to say or do to represent myself, to be all the, you know, to be whoever or whatever that I thought I needed to be in that moment. The reason I want to lead with that is because when we were talking offline, you had offered up this framework of what would it be like if we both led just with kindness and you and I both got goosebumps same time. And I'm hoping that, you kind of alluded to it a little bit before, but we can go a little deeper on it because I think it's such a powerful, I mean, when you said it, I, I, I now I've got goosebumps. So I wanted to cry because I could feel it. And I could, and a reason I could feel it is because I thought back to that just recent interaction and all the, the people I met, very sweet, very nice, probably very kind people. Mm-hmm. And because I'm so in my head about, Oh, what should I do? What am I supposed to be? All this type of thing. I probably missed such a, a beautiful opportunity to connect 
from kindness because I think that was where their nature was. And it over, it would have, in my opinion, it would have probably far superseded that, that awkwardness of all of us were feeling of, oh, are we supposed to touch? Are we supposed to handshake? Are we supposed to hug? Are we supposed to like, hey, yeah. what's up from over there? So I, can, you, can you go into that a little bit more, just what we were talking about beforehand about what it would be like if we just led with kindness? So given everything that's going on right now, uh, you know, we're in the middle of pandemics and all sorts of things that are happening. I think the challenge that we're facing is we're trying to create a new norm of whatever that is, of the way that we interact as humans. And, you know, where I live, we're still behind masks and we're still, you know, not touching and six feet of distance and things of that nature. But the challenge is we've somehow lost a little bit of our own identity in that, I think, because I, I'm a hugger. <laughs> I'm, I am absolute heart to heart, hug it out. Yeah. And it's really weird not, you know, A, not even shaking hands, but B, not touching, not, you know, hugging or anything else. But it's also remembering that you can show kindness with your eyes. You can show kindness with your body language. And I had done a a series, I had mentioned to you, I did a series on social media of Walk to Work with Dr. Cindy. And one of the days I actually posted a video about remembering that there's a person behind that mask. Because I think we've now, it's like there's the invisible wall or something. Yeah. And it's not that. There's still a person. There's still their energy. There's still a human being back there. And I think we've sort of allowed social distance to become interpersonal distance. And it doesn't have to be. And if we lead from that place of kindness, I mean, and if it's your authenticity, I mean, mine is authentically, I want to be nice to people. And I really do believe that if I'm nice to them, they'll be nice to me. And so if you lead from that space and you do come from that, I do think it does come through even with a mask, even with six feet apart. And I would actually tell you, they probably felt that from you, even though you had this inner monologue, (laughs) like you shook their hands. I'm sure their interaction with you was still very much, very kind, very energetic. (laughs) I'm I'm still a recovering and active social awkward person where I, I was that person at the party that if if I didn't know anybody, I, I panicked and ran to the liquor table and sat there and tried to <laughs> down it real quick. So I felt a little less or would awkwardly <laughs> eat chips and fake pretend I had anything to look at on my phone or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. uh, oh. What role do you think kindness can play in, in, reshaping the world because you said you know we're in kind of that middle of the time where it's interesting that this is really where we're at where we can say we have pandemics and all this other stuff going on because we've gotten so familiar with just seems like in 2020 there's all sorts of disruption and uh, at the time of this recording it's early june you and i live in california california has a lot of different protests and there's some instances of rioting and looting and and there's a lot of i guess you know civil social unrest right now host of other things happening, a host of other things that will happen. How, how important do you think, just in your opinion, I mean, this is an easy, small question to tackle, right? But what role can kindness play in, in facilitating change and maybe even facilitating healing? It, it is the path, in my opinion. And I think it has to be authentic though. And like I mentioned, like you can't automate kindness. And I think there's sort of obligatory kindnesses that we do, or we think we're supposed to post somebody's happy birthday on social media. So you post it, but 
is it really coming from that place of kindness? And what, and what does that mean for you? Because it feels good to be kind to people. I mean, one of my favorite phrases is throw kindness like confetti. Like, I love that. That is one of my favorite phrases on the planet because it's true and it's fun to throw confetti. So it should be fun to throw kindness. And, and I think if we can look at the world through that lens of, I'm going to be kind and I'm going to be kind in the hopes that it comes back. And I do believe that it will. And know that maybe not everybody's ready to receive that. Maybe not everybody's ready to, to hold that message or even hold a space for that message to exist. But if you start from there, I do think it's contagious in a very positive manner. And I think if we, you know, even before now, we see bullying happening for kids. We see all these things occurring in our world. It's because we have a scarcity of kindness, in my opinion. Cindy, I want to be respectful of your time. So I'll just ask you one more question. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, you know, thinking of that notion of obligatory kindness, the example that comes to mind for me is you go to the grocery store you're in line and you approach the clerk. The clerk asks you, how are you doing? You say, good. And then of course you reciprocate by asking how they're doing and they say, good, mm-hmm. with no real regard of what's really going on. And I, I can remember one time being at Target, this was several years ago, and I, there was something about this person who was there and I could tell they were visibly not doing good. They asked me how I was doing and I said, good, going on my autopilot, obligatory kindness. And they, I then asked them and they said, good. And I was getting ready to accept that just like I would. And then I stopped and I said, no, really, how are you doing? And they looked at me, they had tears in the eyes and they stopped and they said, to be honest, I'm not doing very well at all. And I think they had found out that their, you know, family member, I think it was their mother or their father just got diagnosed with stage four cancer. Oh my gosh. And they were there at work because the family didn't have really any money for treatment. And they were trying to pick up an extra shift to make sure there's money. And I, you know, there's a line, Target's always usually pretty busy. And I, I talked to them for about two minutes, you know, it was about probably what we could stretch in a, in a Target line that can sometimes get a little riled. Yeah. And it was just, it was such a beautiful interaction. You know, I always thought of that and I, I, and I'm, I haven't, I still find myself defaulting to that obligatory kindness thing. So that's a long way of leading into the question is I'm wondering what are your grocery store line encounters like? So it's funny you ask. And as you were telling the target story there, I have a favorite checker (laughs) at our grocery store here. (laughs) And, and it's, it makes shopping fun because his, his name is Luther and he works at the grocery store um, close to my house, but he sings. And so I have conversations with him about his playlist right now and what he's singing. And, you know, I, I'll occasionally join in a tad and, you know, <laughs> we have these conversations, but I think what I have to recognize is first of all, I'm human. Not every encounter is as meaningful as the one that you had at Target. And I'm so glad you did that. And I guarantee that person remembers that to this day because we hold on to those little pieces of kindness because unfortunately there's not that many these days. And think about what happens if we just added one more, you know, the, the, the random act of kindness kind of got contagious and everybody talks about it. 
but can you remember somebody that did a random act of kindness for you that you actually felt that you received that was meaningful or were they doing a random act of kindness because they read a bumper sticker? Hmm. So it's also that intention. So I'm human. Not every interaction is amazing at the grocery store, but what I start with is I'm trying to read the situation and that's a sales tactic. <laughs> you read the room, you read the, read the situation. And I recognize whether they are open to that dialogue, whether they are mm -hmm. open to this. And what's interesting about mine is I'll usually let them begin. So I'll say, Hey, how are you? And I'll see where they are. And I'll kind of feel that energy of like, are you going to be chatty? Or are you not going to be chatty? Are you having a rough day? And then I'll usually follow up with a comment at that stage. But I'll tell you where it's even more important right now, in my opinion, is with our own neighbors. The people that we see every day and we interact with every day, it's the obligatory, hey, how you doing? Oh, good. Have a good day. Okay. Was that even an exchange? Like, what, like, what was that? So it's looking at, again, that first impression. What do you want them to remember about you today? What do you want to leave them with? Can you make it better than when they got in the elevator with you? Can you leave them with something? And I try to make people laugh or smile or if I'm out with my dog, I'll tell them some funny story about him or whatever. But, you know, I, I think for us, I get a lot out of giving kindness personally. Like it feels really great, but I think we have to look at our intention. And so to go back to kind of your original question around the world and what this does, it's a pretty powerful movement yeah. and it's kind of a symphony of, you know, everybody chiming in in their own way and it can be pretty magical. And think about the last encounter you had with the person on the phone for the cable or the mail carrier. What was your encounter? Did you automate kindness? Did you phone it in? Was it obligatory or did you actually intentionally come from a place to leave them better than you found them? And I think that can be our intention on a daily basis. Everyone, whether you are in sales or maybe you're not, you don't think you're directly in sales, but if you're in the human experience, this is a episode you're going to rewatch, re-listen and take some notes on. Dr. Cindy took us on a beautiful journey of the psychology around sales and turning it away from that icky part to a place of really being able to release. And I love the idea of it went from selling the products to selling who she is. And then she just happens to have products, you know, that they became okay about being kind. And it may became okay that people may not be providing kindness that day, but that still is okay. Especially if your intention is to leave, leave them, a little better off than they were before you came in. The idea of making a first impression or any sort of impression and not so much what they see, but how they remember you. What a shift that is. I can remember as she was talking, she said the example of the shoes. I remember a couple of my very dear girlfriends talking to me in college about how I need to get dressed up and how important it was to get certain shoes because people looked at shoes. And I thought at the time it seemed so silly, but they were adamant about it to get the shoes. And I always remember that when I hear that because really, I want to remember those things much more. And I would hope that people would remember that about me. Kindness, my goodness, 
whether it's it's going for a walk and and really taking that time to slow down and connect with your neighbors you know, how many of us have had those dot the i cross the t interactions with our neighbors where it's literally a checklist to do and we say oh there's bob out walking his dog again let me say hi real quick and then move on so we can get back to our digital device or whatever else we have cooking around our head but to be really intentional with those to you know the idea of reading the room yeah we do it in sales but to read the room because your intention is to be kind and to line up the opportunity to do that when you go into a grocery store or public space you know what a psychology shift that would be you know, how many of us walk into any sort of public space and we walk in with the notion of what am I here to get? What's in it for me? Versus walking into it and thinking, how can I read the room to find an opportunity to serve and make, make the interaction I have with another human being, whether it's entering the elevator, entering the grocery store or wherever that might be, we enter with the intention of making that person's life a little bit better than when we, before we interacted with them. Well, that's all to say that all of this is a wonderful recipe and some beautiful nuggets of wisdom for not only being a better salesperson, but really living a more beautiful, beautiful life. And Cindy, this has been such a gift to share with us. Thank you so much for being here. I am so grateful our paths crossed, and I certainly appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was a wonderful exchange, and I'm very, very grateful to know you. And I think our paths will cross again, I hope. <laughs> yeah, me too. We'll, we'll make sure we'll make it a point of that. And we'll, once we can all start hugging again, we'll make time to, we'll, yes. <laughs> we'll make a hug. <laughs> <laughs> a plan for a hug. I like that. <laughs> we'll see you next time, everyone, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to